0: Sponsored by the Dunleer Rathdown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM. And
1: welcome, folks, to Business Eye. Yes, another Friday. I feel a groundhog when I say yes, another Friday. Enthusiastic and excited because of the weekend. But I'm always excited to see my good friend Simon, who has won an another award. My God, Simon, you must be stacking those awards. So what is it this, what's the award that you just won? Tell, tell the audience. I'm losing all my money. I'm
2: paying for them, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's uh, Pinker's 360 for Entrepreneurship, which you know more than I do. I'm going to ask you, do you have the freedom of Wicklow yet?
1: The freedom of Wicklow. Well, Simon, we, 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 we can talk about the freedom of Wicklow. If you come down here, I'll give you a... Half an oak tree, and I'll say you have the keys to the woods, the keys to the wood, <laughs> which is quite funny, actually, because Simon, Tony Houlihan, the man has got yeah. the, the freedom of Dublin city. What do you think of that? Exactly. What's your thought? Well, it's
2: interesting. Uh, the timing is interesting. In the same 24 hours that he boxed the trend of pretty much every EU country and says, effectively that the population of Ireland can't be trusted with antigen tests. In other words, we're locked down. He gets the freedom of Dublin. That's just my opinion, by the way. (laughs) Yes.
1: Freedom, freedom for lockdown. That's it. That's his new slogan. You know, he can run, he can run a sheep in, in, uh, in Stevens Green now, but he can lock down them. But, on a serious note you know we we know that with business travelers as well you know traveling back and to england and we know that the airlines as well have have just shot something out saying uh, be be very cautious that if uh, people are getting the vaccine because we know thrombosis can be an issue with long haul flights and um, but they're also just saying look because of this that people have to be cautious um, and when I, when I typed that into uh, Google, good old Google, uh, I also found out that the Belgian football team, which is the EU, some of the, the members of the EU team, which will be travelling, they're sort of just holding back now um, on getting the vaccine as well. So you know, there's there's a mm. lot going on in the world. Um, on a good news, I see that the kids in Israel no longer are forced to wear masks, and there's a video which is trending online and when the teacher tells them you should see them, they are excited, they are jumping, they are laughter, they're ripping them up. you know, like, like presence. And it, you know, it, it, it made me feel really good to hear that as well. So um it's yeah. it's all very strange it's I, all very strange
2: it's also strange i heard my first christmas advert this morning on the radio Can my you believe God. It? they're talking christmas in july they they do that in australia but i've never heard it in ireland before christmas in july
1: no i think we're just i think we're just clutching clutching for straws for something i i, I think we are you know I, I think people are really sort of enjoying the summer and then we're going to see what happens for the for the next couple of months as well but that's, that's it. That's it.
2: Simon, who have we got today? Well, we're going to be talking about today about the importance of relationships and trust and consistency and treating people with respect in relation to sales and business. Move away from the old school ways of doing sales. So we have two really energetic guests today. Uh, first up is Louise Lally, uh, and she uh, has her own business. She's an cr- accredited coach. She's a a retail mentor, trainer and and specialist in that space. So welcome, Louise. How how
0: are you? Hi. Delighted to be on. Yeah, looking forward to talking today about relationships. I think it's it's really topical. I think I know when things opening up and some people are doing it really well. And then some people have a lot kind of a lot to do, I suppose, in that space. um, And from what I've seen on on the high street in the retail space. So, yeah, I'll be nice to talk about that.
2: Cool, and then second, uh, and somebody I know very well, Breeda McCaig. Breeda is a transformation specialist. She's managing director, motivational speaker. She is co-founder of Lean in Ireland, um, and an all-round amazing motivator, positive spirit, and just a great relationship builder. So, welcome, Breeda.
3: Thank you very much, Simon and Joe. Delighted to be here with Oya and Louise. And I'm probably interested in the emotional relationship side of this piece more. Um, I'm probably fascinated, I would say, at this stage in what makes people tick. So I'm all into the why we do what we do and how to get us to do what's good for us.
1: It's, it's interesting that you say, you know, what we do. I, I'll tell you a little story. Last week, my phone blew up. Basically, I downloaded the newest software on my phone and it blew up. I had no phone for a week. So I had no, I would no LinkedIn, I had no WhatsApp, I had nothing. And I felt a withdrawal symptom. Um, and I was just picking up this block. It was basically a block of wood, right, or a block of metal. And I just picking it up and looking at it. I was having these withdrawals. And as the days went through, I started to feel liberated and started to stop feeling that anxiety or finding out to talk to people. And I start just enjoying my kids more, believe it or not, sitting down with them and all. And and the reason I'm I'm, I'm bringing this up is that, you know, with sales and with us growing business, have we come too involved and too dependent on our technology to do business? Um I'll open up to both of you. Breda, you can go first.
3: (laughs) I, I would say, first of all, how we deal with our phones and the relationship we have with technology is based on a lot of habits. I mean, when you practice something, your mind just runs on habits. And if it's used to going to that phone to see what's on that phone, not only do you not recognize that that's a pressure that's on you. But you do it without thinking. It's a default mechanism. And I suppose it's around understanding human behaviours is, is where we need to get to so that we can then figure out how best to do that. Because your question is, you know, have we gone too far with technology? I think technology is massive. It has played a massive role in my life, that's for sure. And I And I really do believe in technology for good because I think if you know how to use it, it's like anything. You can really benefit from it. But I'm not sure that everybody knows how to use it that well. I do think that, you know, in terms of retail, as Louise mentioned there, it's opening up again soon. A lot of people have learned a lot about digital and tech over the last year because they had no choice. We've all become very good at tech compared to where we were. Um, so I don't think we can ever get away from it. I think it's, it's there for good. Um, I, I just think we need to learn how to use it best as, as humans in society. Louise, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I think um, I think my perspective on it would be a balance. So it's it's having a balanced approach to I think um the technical side and the relationship side. If I look at, for example, um EAP programmes that they would run in businesses, so employee system programs. I think that it's more digital now and they have all of these um, well-being programs online, but it doesn't always work for everyone. And I think there has to be a balance where um, the, the, you're talking to someone and you're having that relationship and that personal contact connection occurs so I think it's a balance I think it's good in some ways but when it's imbalanced and it's too um, technical focused we miss out on that connection piece and I think um, even talking to people that were um, doing interviews virtually um, I had a client and she really struggled to put her personality across um, in a virtual setting um, and she felt that she couldn't feel that energy even walking in um, to, she's in the hospitality she said even when I walk into the hotel I'd be a and we're always working I'd be imagining being on that front desk so I think the virtual is great getting that little bit of a balance I think and where you're you're still connecting with people I think is important.
1: The one thing that I found which was shocking I couldn't even get into my bank you know there was stuff there that I Mm -hmm. couldn't do and it made me kind of take a step back and go hang on I've come too dependent on this piece of machinery so now I've cleared everything and I'm only just on my PC is my apps and everything, but on my phone now I'm I'm keeping it just for calls and and maybe messages and everything else would go off and just see how that, that I, goes.
2: Yeah. I had that experience yesterday. I had to close a business account on one of the two big banks. I won't mention it, but you know it, Breeder, and and online and the online system said you can't do it online, you have to call us. I called them and after an hour on that, they said you need to go into the bank because it's a business account. I went to the bank and they said there's fees on this, you need to transfer money into it. close it. I did that. I was an hour there. And then today I've just got a text back saying you can't close the account because there's money in it. And but the other thing, the heartbreaking thing, when I was in the branch yesterday, there were we forget about those people who cannot handle technology. The people, you know, in the late 70s, 80s, 90s, and there were a dear old couple in there, must have been in their 80s, and they looked terrified. And then a junior member of staff and said, We can't get to our bank. And this junior member of staff was saying to them, you need to have the app. And they had no idea what an app was. I don't think they'd ever heard about it, right? And yes. and then, and, then, and the woman said, you need to use your mobile phone. And the, and the man said, can we use our online, our, our landline phone to get in? So what do we do to the 10, 20% of people that can't do this online? Well, reader, what, what what do we, we need to think about this stuff. Yeah. What, what do you think we do? I,
3: I think it's in every part of retail. So I think because of COVID, So many industries have have put such a focus on digital and that they they also need to keep in parallel that person to person service. Now, most of them do that, but you can see how the world is evolving and how it is becoming more digital. Um, Processes are focused on digital no matter what industry you're in. Um, there are always going to be vulnerable customers in every industry and they do need to be accommodated. And to be fair, there is a lot of policy and guideline around that. And that does come from the likes of the central banks and so forth. So I do think it is accommodated. Um, the experience on the ground, I have elderly parents myself. So I know what this is like. I do all of their work for them online. Um, and it's, it is is by no means easy. I mean, you always have to provide alternative routes. I was looking at the vaccines When they started to roll out the registration process and I was delighted to see that there was phone numbers there for elderly people who are are not only anxious about a vaccine, but now anxious about having to do this online thing that they don't understand. Um, And it's just not part of their culture or part of their day to day. And naturally, you know, it is scary. So I do think it's important that no matter what industry we're talking about, that we always maintain that sort of access route for those vulnerable customers, because they'll always exist.
1: My question leads up to this. Old school. And we talk about old school sales and we talk about the new way of doing things. So what's the difference between old school and a new way of selling? Louise.
0: Yeah. um, great question by the way um i think um it's definitely evolved in the last 10 years um you know you You now have QR codes on shelves of products. So the customer scans that QR code and it'll lead them into how to apply the product or how to to do the product or whatever. So I think it's it's evolved massively, even from a um footfall perspective in the business, you know, um targeting people through Instagram, all of that social media piece, it's it's evolved massively. I do think that um what um Breda touched on there that you know even though we have all of these amazing things in our business, we have to have people on the front line that's able to adapt to those people that are coming in and maybe they're not at that level of technology. So we, I've worked a business that have CRM and databases. And like that, um, uh, an elderly lady came in and she didn't, she didn't have um, an email, you know, so she couldn't sign up to that database. Um, But, you know, one of the team on the floor was like well you know what we're having a customer event in two weeks time do you want me to maybe call you so there's ways that you can adapt you can still have a really big business but you can also have those guys give them that autonomy on the floor and having them um, adapt to those people that don't have it um so so you can do a lot of that i think um technology has been great from from a retail perspective we all know the omni channel piece is huge at the moment and even those click and collect orders um a lot of companies are doing ship from store and they're doing online orders so it's it's supportive businesses keeping going over the last year and a half um but uh, and it's i'd say it's going to get even bigger now you know there's there is um virtual sales people now you can go into businesses and you you can get a virtual reality person talking to you i think it's fantastic in, in a lot of ways um and yeah i think the customer experience will be one that will be a huge focus over the next year or two so um they're talking about having um hiring an Instagrammer um, to be based in a store. So you come in and you have that Instagrammer and you're going to hire them part-time and they're going to bring football into your business Um, and all of these amazing things that are going to come out um, from creating that experience in your business and that all comes back to that personalised approach. So you have those different customers coming in, you have a team that have the autonomy to be able to make those decisions um, and, and not relying on calling the manager Well, let me just see if I can actually take your number or let me see what I can do because they have that ability to do that.
2: Joe and I are always available for gigs, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, always. <laughs> I, <Read guess>.
3: <laughs> I think it's all about choice. So as we talk here, you know, we're talking about is it old school or the new way of doing it? And what's always been important is choice because what w- my lifestyle might really suit the digital way of interacting as a customer, but someone else's lifestyle really may not. So I think what's always going to be important in sales and in customer service and in providing services of any kind is choice and making sure that all of the channels that you offer your products on are, are all sort of provided for all of the different sectors and demographics.
2: If, if you were going to tell, maybe an alien came down and you had to tell them how we connect with people most effectively in sales, what, what what do we what do we need to do to really connect with people? Maybe I'll start with you, Louise. What what are the things we need to really do?
0: Um the focus shouldn't be on the KPIs. The focus is obviously that's a result, that's an output. Sometimes what happens is we focus on, um, okay, we want our average transaction. We want a certain amount of money coming in the tiller. We want a certain amount of things being purchased. It, it should be around connecting and building a relationship and building a rapport with a person. So I'm going to get to know them. and um, What are their needs? Asking them really great questions. I'm not going to go in with a sale pitch. And that's what you find sometimes. Sometimes you might go into um, an electrical store and you could be looking at a really nice plasma TV. And the person will come over and instinctively think that you want that TV because you're looking at it. And that's the mistake we make. So they'll go in and go, isn't it an amazing TV? Well, you know, there's an offer on today. I might even want a TV. So instead of coming in and going, hi, how are you getting on today? And really using that to build a rapport. So they're putting that main focus on getting to know you as an individual and getting to know what you're about as opposed to you're standing in front of a product and I'm going to try and sell you the product. So we're building that relationship because nine times out of 10, they'll come in, they'll check it out. They'll get to know you, but they're not always going to buy. But they'll come back again because they've built that little bit of a relationship with you. They'll come back and buy. So I think the relationship pieces is, is really important.
2: Cool. How, how would you describe how we should connect?
3: Well, first of all, that alien, I'm going to send him to you, Simon, because you are the pro at connecting. <laughs> if I look at your LinkedIn um. I think it's all about needs, right, for me. And I was in sales years ago for many years. And, and there is where I started to realise, you know, the word sales sounds like you're going to influence someone to buy something that they don't really need. Whereas, in fact, if you just turn this all on its head, it's all about empathy and trying to recognise what the, the needs are, because every one of us, have needs and we we need them met. I mean, I used to get phone calls from a garage last year when I wasn't looking at buying a car and I used to see them as a nuisance, right? And we've all had messages, DMs, you get loads of links to stuff that you've no interest in and it irritates us as humans because our time is precious and we don't want to waste it on stuff we have no need for. However, this year I have a need for a car and I am chasing the garages at the moment to see what stock they have. And, and so it, I'm an easy one to sell to because I have a need. And so I think if you're, if you're in retail and you're in a service industry, it's all about trying to look beneath the in immediate layer when you meet people and try to understand what's happening in their life and what their needs are. And it just takes a little bit more work on, and conscious effort. And what to be after, as Louise said, make assumptions all the time. We see people looking at a product or, you know, myself that I had sent an inquiry to a garage, but I hadn't a need last year. So it's all about not assuming and, and assuming incorrectly, but listening and and trying to have empathy with the person in front of you because again we're talking about, you know, vulnerable customers at times, the older people maybe find it very frustrating and very worrying. So I think let's just make an effort to see if we can get more empathy in there and more of that needs assessments.
1: I totally agree. You know, we've we've always said in sales, you know, it's empathy, not sympathy. And, you know, people can mix Mm -hmm. them up. um, And it's always, you know, empathy is is the key. And talking about the motor industry and and when people would, say, interact with someone, you know, I tell a story that a, a guy goes into a showroom and he's looking at a sports car and the sales guy says to him, do you want to take it for a test drive? And he goes, yeah. And he jumps in it and drives her around the block and they get out. And your man goes, what do you think? He says, I love it, but I don't think it's what my mother would like.
0: Sponsored by the Dunleary Laoghaire Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: It's asking those questions and I think it's relationship. I think we get, we're getting caught up in, in technology and we're getting caught up in AI. But there has to be that human connection and it builds back to trust. And one of the things that you always need to do is with you, it's relationship building. You know, I was in the motor trade for maybe 20 odd years. And after I left the motor trade, I had people still calling me up and um, asking me, could I source in for cars for them? Because, and I noticed in all industries, and I, I'm, and because we're all in sales, we watch what other people do. So if I'm going into a shop to buy a pair of trousers or if I'm going in somewhere, And if the guy comes up and says, can I help you? Or the girl comes up and says, can I help you? And you go, no, I'm only looking. I watch to see what happens next. And most of them go, okay, thanks. I'll be over here if you can help. Where the next thing should be, is there anything that you're looking for? But, you know, is there anything you're particularly looking for? Maybe it could help you. That's pushing, not pushing, but its it's starting to engage that curiosity and build that rapport and then get that conversation going. So... What 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 Simon so mean, with with yourself in this? What do you feel in a conversation is a good you know segue or leadway when people are um, engaging with a salesperson?
2: Well, you, you mentioned trust, you know, and I might flip it a bit because because I'm I'm kind of interested in um, can can we force trust? Right? Can we actually force trust? Are there methods to actually um, persuade somebody else to trust you, or does trust actually just need to take time? Um, I'm kind of answering you with that question because I don't, I've never actually heard that question asked. Is trust naturally a result of a period of time between two people, or are there a couple of things you can do to force it a bit quicker?
1: I, I think it's for me, I think it's where the customer is in mindset is in the sales process. So if they need it yesterday, that trust can be forced if they they're interested, but are f- if they're not disturbed enough to actually make the next step, then that needs work. So I think it's the sales where they are in the mindset on it. Yeah.
2: What, what what do you both think, Louise? Trust is trust is a very fragile thing because it's very hard to define what it is. But we all feel lack of trust in our gut. So from a sales perspective, I suppose if we could capture this and bottle this, you you'd, you'd make a fortune. But maybe. Give us your thoughts around trust, how how this can be developed.
0: Yeah, um, I do think it's it's dependent on the individual. So um and you know, you could be speaking to somebody that really is 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 I suppose really wants that knowledge piece so really wants to know does she know what she's talking about wants that really good information wants clarity on what that product is and and they'll You'll get that trust by having that knowledge on what it is thereafter. I mean, you can build on that a little bit. Then you have other people that really build on the relationship piece. So do you have a really good after sales service? And, And can you talk me through that? So it really does depend on, on, on the individual, I think a little bit and understanding what they want from that. You know, so it's me understand OK, this is what they're looking for. So I can either match what they're looking for and their needs and understand that and clarify it. And then they they're, you're building that bit of trust then and that and you're giving them that reassurance. I do think he can build trust quickly, depending on the situation, the individual. I do think it's possible to do that. Um I do think people know when you're authentic uh, majority people know um, by the way your body language is, by the way you're talking, your gestures, they can kind of get that feel for it um, while they're speaking to you. So I do think it can be it can be um, gained quite quickly but also on the flip side it can also be broken quite quickly as well um and and that that's where you know that person is competent in what they're saying or that person is delivering in what they're saying. So you know we we have this phrase um you underpromise and you overdeliver. So you know we always underpromise but we'll always over deliver. Um, and and that's kind of our rule of thumb that we would kind of go with but yeah I do think it can be built.
2: Rita, what do you think?
3: Um, I'm thinking back to Joe's example of someone in a clothes shop and the um, staff member walks over and said, um, can I help you with anything? And the, the person says, no, I think that's where your opportunity to build trust fast is, because if so, so you've obviously provided the opportunity to serve that that customer if that's what they wanted when they say no I think that's your opportunity to have conversation and that authentic conversation as Louise talked about there it's where you need the open questions the likes of when someone has said no I'm fine here I'm just having a look that's when you should say things like how are you getting on today weather's nice outside something to start conversation so that that customer then sees this human in front of them that that is now of interest to them and I think that's how you build relationships that's certainly how I do it um and I also think if if you're if you're good with your own vulnerabilities people see that and that's that authentic piece um and and people are very open and very drawn to that so I think you can you can build trust fast if you are open authentic honest and and good with your own vulnerabilities people usually magnetize that back.
1: I think it's being genuine. You know, Simon, trust is being genuine. You know, you can't, you know, they always say you fake it till you make it. But if you're genuinely in a career and you love the job that you're doing and someone then has come into that store and you are going over to them genuinely to help them. I think that's where it is. And I've said this for years as well, that, you know, stop selling to people, start helping people. Because the mindset that we have when we think of selling, it seems to, you know, it's a dirty word. It's, it's the used car sales guy. Oh, the dirty word from the movies and everything. But if you kind of take that away and say, you know, I'm actually just going to try and genuinely help someone. And if I can help them and then by helping them, I help myself as well. And I think that's, that's really where it is on it. So. Would you would you agree with that? If you know, sort of switch it from sales selling to helping.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think there is a there is a kind of an image attached to that sales, you know, for their own benefit as opposed to to benefiting the person. I think that's kind of what people imagine a little bit in their head, but I think that. Um, the really good people that are in that are genuinely the really good salespeople. When I think of anyone at the top of my head that I've had one of those wow moments with in in a store, or you know, it could be in an, any in any sort of um, an area. I always think how they made me feel, um, and and how they spoke to me and. They they were they were thinking, I was number one in their eyes for those couple of seconds or those couple of minutes, and I think um I think it is them just genuinely putting someone else you know and 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 thinking about that other person and it's you know there is amazing people out there that do that really well, um and I think uh I think I think there's a lot more that we could do in that space of connection with people a lot more. And it's simple. It's simple things. It's not we don't need loads of money. (laughs) It's really easy things that we do every day. But we just we just kind of forget when we go into work. You know, we don't we don't always think of it.
2: I think you've hit it on the head. I think it's the feeling that you're being noticed by the other person, then noticing you. And then conversely, in responding back. That, that you want them to feel that you appreciate them, right? They're two small words, but noticing and appreciating. And I think we just got so wrapped up in being artificial and being rushed and hurried and treating each other with a bit of disconnected disdain kind of thing. And notice and appreciate. I'm, I'm, you know, the, I, I talked about the bank yesterday and I was kind of semi-being negative, but my experience in the bank was very positive. The guy there noticed my frustration. I could tell he noticed it. So what do you think about that, Brida? Is it as simple as noticing and appreciating? I think it is pretty much. Hugs I, all I, think
3: a, I think it's about respect. You mentioned earlier, Joe, genuine. Is it about being genuine? I think when you feel respected as a customer and back to Louise's point there, when when someone is, is you're made feel like the priority for a few seconds that you're with that salesperson I, I think it's about feeling respected. I do. I, I certainly am allergic to the opposite of that, where we get pushy salespeople. And I don't know if you all notice, but I get a lot of direct messages these days that are super pushy. Um, they have no connection with me. They've not built a relationship at all. They're straight in trying to sell me something or someone or or something I should do. That absolutely I am allergic to. I think most people are allergic to that because I don't think when when that happens, I think the emotion that we have is one of distrust and we feel suspicious, rightfully so, in some cases. So I think it's all about that genuine piece, making people feel respected. It's back to that needs as well. They need a service. So make them feel respected when they're trying to engage with you as the service provider.
1: Yeah. Do you know one of the biggest issues? that sales, the sales industry fail on is follow-up. You know, we all can be genuine and we can all talk to that person in that moment and we'll get back to you with that. That it's only a very, very small percentage of the sales industry that actually follow up. And that percentage that follow up are the ones that gain the most. And I think that's, I, you know, we all have different interpretations of sales, but I think the biggest issue right across the whole board is uh, lack of follow-up um, and and not even, and not knowing how to follow up is, which is quite scary as well. So uh, in both of your industries and in both of which is the, the people that you're dealing with, do you come across that as well? And, and how do you help people with that? Yeah.
0: I'll go. <laughs> um. So to answer your question, I think it's out of sight out of mind, a little bit. Um. I think, um, they're in that, that moment. They're in. They're in front of them. And once they leave, it's okay. On to the next. On. You know. I think that's kind of the, the mindset a little bit. Um. I suppose there isn't on that much bigger the way they're brought into the business is to focus when they're in front of you so I think it's it's a lot got to do with with how the the business and that that there is a focus there where they're at I think for for the businesses I've been involved in I think it's it's got to do with the after sales really where I think the magic happens so I think um We're really great at, um, you know, getting the customer, giving them what they need. But it's when an issue occurs, that same level of commitment and of trust and of support we need to give just because they've left and they bought it. There's this opinion that okay we're going to go on to the next person but when there's an issue we need to just be so involved in that process and communicating with them as much as we can so I do think that there is a gap there definitely at the moment and I think there is really easy fixes we can do we can put in um, policies procedures structures there around that and that will alleviate that but I think that's where you know, you'd look at your returning customers, you know, okay, we've a high volume of customers, how many of them is there? And that's what we have the CRM and all of that sort of thing. And we databases and we're seeing the, the loyalty coming back. But when that loyalty isn't being retained, and that's where we're looking at are we really doing um the follow ups or and um, the after sales really well.
3: And and I would say on the follow up piece, what I see industries doing and organizations and companies is if we think about the amount of marketing budget that is spent every day for cross industries, like we put, we we load the front, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And as Louise said there, we put serious effort getting customers. But I see across every industry that I ever visit, and i am met a few of them, that they slip down then with that follow through. I think if you say you're going to follow up with a customer and you don't, It demonstrates a lack of integrity. I think if you say you're going to follow up with the customer and you do, what that demonstrates is that trust that we've been talking about. And it it shows that human that you're dealing with, that you do what you say you're going to do. And consistency is not something we see enough of across society. I can tell you from someone who coaches a lot of people on emotional intelligence, consistency is, is lacking in our society. I think we all are very good at focusing on what we have to get across the line. But certainly out the back end of that is where people start to sort of lower their standards and not discipline themselves as hard. And that's where you see that, you know, that sale gone, you lost to somebody else that did have the integrity and follow up.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. There was a survey that I read recently and, the biggest reason why people, customers leave companies, sixty-eight percent, the biggest reason is because they feel that the business doesn't care about them. And I think that feeds to inconsistency. And and there's another thing, I think Ted Rubin from the States, who talks about return and relationship, says that people buy from people and brands they trust. They trust people and brands they like, and they like people and brands they connect with. Trust and a customer care thing is critical. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think one of the problems as well, you know, within sales and follow up is that its processes are put in place that are too complicated. And I've always believed you start off with a process. So say you have four points in the process, and then someone brings in a CRM, and then that's number six, and then someone says, "Oh, you need to fill out this sheet," and that's number seven, and eventually, then the whole the process is twenty two stages. And the sales guy, if he doesn't, or the salesperson, if they don't tick all these, they get a scolding or they say you're not following in for the KPIs or the data. And I think companies need to sort of pull back, look at all these 22 points that they've developed, especially after lockdown, what they're doing, and say, how can we refine this to get everything but bring it back down to, say, half the, the, the points on it? Because it's all about touch points. And the more that people do the more that the salesperson loses interest because they become a paper pusher instead of doing what they want passionately to do. And that speak to people and sell. Well said, well said, John. well said, well <laughs> said indeed. Breda, what's your opinion on that?
3: Uh, so having been someone who many years ago was doing all those follow up calls, I know how disheartening it is when you're sitting ringing phone numbers for days and some don't answer and some do answer, don't want to hear from you. Some, very few of them are the ones that go, oh, I'm delighted you rang. I was hoping that you'd ring. Right. So I think people at the end of those, those phone lines and customer service lines have a serious job trying to keep themselves motivated. I think that's what happens. I don't think it's the sexy end of the business either. There's so much sort of spotlight put on the sales numbers across industries and very little kudos for all that hard work and that discipline that it takes at that follow up stage. I think that's why it's not as I suppose it's it's not as recognized that type of work, whereas that's it's hard work. It is hard graft.
1: Yeah, as, as I say to people, if you if you don't like cold calling or don't like making calls, you're in the wrong business, you know it's it's it, it there's every business has a a shitty part to it
3: <laughs> you know? are you allowed I, to say that joke
1: yeah well, i am i like yeah. this
3: <laughs> <laughs> but that's
1: it you know and and you you, you take the good with the bad and it, you know why did i get into sales because i realized i could write my own paycheck at a very young age i got into programming and I was doing programming, and I realised I cannot be at a computer. This will drive me insane. And I knew it was sales, but I also re- realised you could write your own paycheck. But with the good comes the bad on it as well. I just want to—we're—we're we're getting close to to the end here. I want to ask both of you. How do you, how with the market and with, you know, Instagram and Facebook and, you know, everyone fighting for this space, so we're all fighting for this computer on the size of, of our palm of my hand, how are companies adapting competitively to get people into the business? Louise, I keep picking
0: on Louise for us all the time. You're okay. I'm <laughs> just okay, score. yeah Yeah. i think um i think how businesses are differentiating themselves from other ones is there's a bit of a shift around um they're nearly to just selling a product so i'll give you an example a company that's selling um candles homewares and maybe um maybe different products like that there can they are in more to their business so I'll give you an example um they will bring in somebody maybe an interior designer to give a talk and um, they might even have a live on their Instagram page where they can talk to an interior designer. You're going to buy the cushions from my store, but this interior designer now is going to tell you what that's going to look like. You might send her a picture. So they're evolving. It's not now the case where you go in and you buy your pair of jeans or you buy your top. Um, They're they're making it more of a a brand, of a lifestyle choice. So I think that's how they're differentiating themselves and to go back to the online, all of these tools now, they're expanding it on an online piece. Um, How do they get them into the store? and um, there is people that still want to come in for that experience so you you will always even even if you go into a store most people have researched what they're going to buy anyways if you find people that going to shops and um, they'll look up that pair of runners or they'll look up that tv or whatever they'll have researched it so most of the customers that's coming into bricks and mortar have already looked at your business and are probably know just as much about those products you could say as the person that's inside in the store what they're looking for though is to have that and back conversation piece what they're looking for is not to have to go to the post office and post it off they're looking to come into the girl in the shop who told them that if there's an issue I'm going to look after you you're not going to be talking to a chat bot for about an hour and a half and um, trying to figure out how to fix the product so I think that's where that kind of connection piece really helps Um, but I think, um, online and in store is, it's a good marry. I think it's a good way of, of reaching people that are at home. Even there's a great brand that does healthy recipes and meditations and yoga and do they do they do classes no they they sell products but they're telling us that these products form part of this brand piece because they want you to have a nice um, you know uh, mindfulness piece at home and use those products so I think it's going to be more of a a holistic look at a business and more of a lifestyle piece that they're going to be creating over the next while
3: Yeah, to to add to that, so I've seen all of what Louise has mentioned there and you can see that happening and companies starting to adapt to do more and more of that and bring in the variety into their profiles. What I've also noticed is company owners and company staff starting to probably hear a bit more about themselves because you've got to remember we are all obsessed with humans. That's why we watch, you know, Gogglebox and Big Brother. We're fascinated with each other's lives. Um, and I see a lot of businesses with their MDs and some of their staff really starting to get quite personal and, and, and sharing their personal brand. i seen something on LinkedIn only this morning, which is around the same point. Elon Musk has 46 million followers on Tesla, on, on Twitter, sorry, but Tesla has only 10 million and that there is the evidence that you need. I think it's the human touch that attracts you to a profile or attracts you to a post because digital space is of serious value at this point. It's so busy. Um, and Joe, I know you're off the phone these days, but the rest of us are still <laughs> stuck in that digital piece. And I do think it's the human piece. It's the CEO or the MD or this, so, someone in the business sharing their personal sort of insights to their life is what attracts others.
2: Yeah, definitely. that's so true. I mean, when you think about like the US president, you know, we still talk about Barack Obama and yet he was just the US president. There's been US presidents since and we still talk about Apple as Steve Jobs. I and mean, he's yeah. been gone a few years. So it is the person really, it's the person, you know. Yeah.
1: Do you know what I hate? Phones. <laughs> Bots. <laughs> Message bots, oh, I, oh. I, 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. every, 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 you know, every message bot leads you to Q and A, you know, <laughs> so they're there, you go. So now when I just, if I jump on something and it goes, hello, I says, are you a real person or a, blo- a bot? And if it's a bot, I just, there's no, I'm not going to waste any more of my energy. Um, I, I just I, I just disengage with it um, and I'll ping an email to the company or whatever because I think it's just taken up too much of my my time yeah. Yeah. talking to an AI on it so that's that's my pet hate but everything else I love I love I love ice cream I love the sun I love <laughs> <laughs> I love not having a phone yeah it's great it's great what sort of what advice would you give give us we've you've about Say thirty seconds each. Um, what advice would you give to someone in sales or someone in a, in a in a small business? Uh, Breda, we'll start with yourself.
3: Yeah, I would say their content. If we're talking about digital stuff here, because obviously we've covered the other pieces around keeping all of the channels accessible, but certainly with the digital content to keep it relatable, um, and and try and bring some of that personal. Angle to it as well, because relatable is a big one. I mean, not all products are relatable to everyone but but yet and all you can be attracted to something how many rabbit holes do we go down every day online you know because they have something there relatable to you um and you go off into a few links and you find yourself you know down somewhere that you really didn't need to be so I think relatable is the way to go um and and try and just to share some of that personal piece as well.
1: Louise, thirty seconds.
0: Yeah. Um so mine would be around um I suppose engagement and engaging with those people, but understanding who your customers are and how you're engaging with them because we all have different businesses and and it's I think sometimes we don't know who that customer is coming in the store. So we all have our client base. I think it's understanding what that is and um engaging with them in the way that is. So if it's a relationship piece, if it's a digital piece, it's it's getting the basics right, I think, and that's moving to connect with people um, and and building it. it's your local community or whatever it is and um, get up, talk to people that are your neighbours on the high street get talking to other people and engage with them don't sit in your four walls and expect the money to come in the till and um, go out engage with the, the local hotel groups and share all um and there's so much you can do with within within your local town, and for those that are struggling because there is ones out there. So I would definitely say go out, talk to other people, and support each other. Um, in in that, in in getting those sales and and helping each other.
1: Buy local, buy local. I think that's the main yeah. thing at the moment. Definitely By yeah. local. Yeah. yeah, Uh If so, Louise, if someone wants to find you, uh, where can they on LinkedIn and your website, please?
0: Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, I'm Louise Lally and um, training has me. My website is just under construction at the moment, so I'll be, it'll be up and running about two weeks, so they can reach out to me on LinkedIn.
2: Sound.
3: And I'm Brida mckigg on Instagram, and Instagram is where I'm trying to share all of the information that I've learned around mind mastery and emotional intelligence with people. On a day-to-day basis. And then my my talks website is com, And I'd love to see you there.
1: Perfect. Simon, I'm just thinking about Instagram there. You know, I haven't been on Instagram for a while. I know my my PA jumps on and does some stuff there for me. Um, And I tried to get back in today and I couldn't remember remember even how to do it that's it
2: <laughs> you're, miss, you're missing breeders lovely dancing and exercises and trips <laughs> in the world and all that stuff is yeah, I love, I love,
3: <laughs> you're missing out joe yeah.
1: i think it's growing i think i think it's 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 growing um instagram i know i'm involved in a platform as well which is it's coming up to be very competitive to facebook it's airfree.social um, and we're myself and the group are working on that now. We're, we're, we're possibly going to change the name, but uh, we I think we've got about three and a half thousand people on board already. Um, and people and the reason why people are jumping to it because people are tired of the algorithms. They're tired of their friends not seeing their messages. They're tired because. You know, something that was a platform for discussion has been taken over by advertisement. And I think a lot of people are tired of that. And that goes back to trust and discussions and conversations on it. So I think, um, I, I, and I, and I still believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that Instagram is still there. It's still very much more community than, you know, every second one, an advertisement or whatever on it. So it's, it's conversations on it. So, I'm in yeah, I mean, your best platform. I think
3: they're all quite or, different. They're
1: different. My,
2: my uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, LinkedIn yeah. for me, for business, I, 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 I like Twitter because I, I like to watch the gossip. <laughs> <of it>. <laughs> <laughs> but this, is, this has been a great chat for me. You know, I think what I take out of this chat is that before you sell, you need to have your product knowledge. You need to know what you're selling. And then you unleash active listening. You need to be adaptable. And you need to understand and demonstrate empathy. So there's, and in addition to that, you need to tell a story and you need to have a brand psychology. So there's, there's five or six pieces of the jigsaw, but you need to know the product first. That's the context. And on the human stuff, that's what sells.
1: That's it. That's it. And folks, we're just going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back with our business showcase this week. Uh, if you do want to reach out to myself and Simon, remember businessIadvisory.com, Um And you'll find myself and Simon there where we do masterminds and discussions with taught leaders, entrepreneurs, and business owners. So that's businesseyeadvisory.com.
0: Sponsored by the Dunleary Rattown Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: Yes, folks. And as we say, every week we showcase a business. Yay. And this is our first showcase uh, of the year. So we are delighted and we will be doing a showcase every week. So if you are interested in sub- coming online and for us to showcase drop us, drop us an email here at Dublin South FM. Today, we have Anne O'Flanagan from Red Squirrel. And after 20 years of a trainer for citizen information providers, decided to go out on her own. In 2019, March, she had enough. She says, I want to be that entrepreneur (laughs) and go out. And then what happened? We had lockdown. So I admire anybody, anybody that actually took that challenge in 2019 and is still around today. Joe, you know, a year and a half, two years on, actually over two years. So, Anna, how are you? Welcome to Dublin South FM. Welcome to Business Eye.
4: Hi, Joe. Great to be here.
1: Tell me why. What was your decision to kind of go, you know, <laughs> I'm going out on my own. I woke up, you woke up one morning and went, I'm going out on my own. There we go.
4: Yeah. Well, I guess um, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. I had a business in my twenties. My dad was an entrepreneur, um, but the public sector served me very well as well. I worked in Citizen Information Board in training and facilitation and uh, service delivery for a number of years. But then I did a course in UCD um, with the Innovation Academy, and on the first day of that course, we were asked a question, and the facilitator paused after the question and in that 20 seconds of pause I came up with a new business and that was essentially the question was what brings you joy that was the question and it really just gave me pause for thought and thinking okay I really enjoy my job right now you know I love training facilitation but what really really brings me joy is bringing people together together and doing treasure hunts. and. Not for children necessarily, uh, although I always ran them for friends and family with kids and stuff around. But it was really about that experience of bringing people together for a fun time, um, but in a kind of an organised way. I think that's back to my English roots is that we love organised fun. Um, so that's really what it was. That first day in, in college in UCD in the Innovation Academy, um, it was a course on creativity um, and leadership. And I just thought, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to, I want to do treasure hunts for a living.
1: (laughs) Perfect. That, you know, I I always say that over the last couple of years as well, you know, we forgot to laugh, you know, all that's going on. People need to laugh and have fun. We've been sort of pigeonholed into these boxes where we need to be serious and we need to, you know, we need to wear a shortened tie and we need to be, speak and do uh, in a certain manner. And this kind of, you know, I I yes. believe red squirrel and watches are doing, brings out the child in people as well.
4: It really does, you know, and I agree with you about the pigeonholing and the. That need to feel, if you're going to be taken seriously in business, you have to be serious. And actually, to me, in the order to get the best out of people, you have to have fun. You have to have fun experiences and be childlike in your work. And it's something that I always did in my other work anyway, was to bring kind of fun to meetings or bring, you know, while also getting the work done, you actually get more out of people um, when they enjoy each other's company and, you know, enjoy laughs together. Definitely.
1: It's, it's a great question. What brings me joy? That is, you know, and that is a, that is a showstopper. You know, when it you really ask people was. that, they kind of go, what brings me joy? Now, I yeah. I had a brother, God rest his soul, when he he was asked, what job would he like? And he said, a uh, whiskey taster.
4: Yeah, I remember saying the same about it. <laughs> Sweets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he said he yeah. It, yeah, and it's true. It. You know, you've got to do what you love. You know, um, and that's that's the other thing that kind of motivated me was, you know, I love giving something back. It's something that gives me joy is to actually give other people joy. But also, um you know, so work is a significant part of our lives and our day and our weeks. You know, if you're if you're not uh, getting joy from what you're doing um, every day, then you know, there's something there's something really missing from your life and to me um it's been it's been such a joy to be doing exactly what I want to do
1: so what does red squirrel do
4: okay so we design and deliver bespoke team building experiences so treasure hunt is part of that but obviously there's been a bit of pivoting just a little bit in the last uh, year or so so um i mainly run treasure hunts in Kilrudry House and in Malahide Castle outdoors in nature and they're very quirky and different they're not just your standard kind of one clue to the next there's you know stealth missions and um, sabotaging other teams and coming together and bringing um, you know uh, leprechauns jumping out of bushes and giving people puzzles and riddles to figure out and you know all sorts of stuff like that So they're really fun days out, but what people don't actually realise is I'm actually working through a model of team building. So I'm looking at trust and accountability and, um, you know, how we work together and how how the team kind of bonds. So all of that stuff is done just through a fun activity. But also this year, I've had to pivot to online stuff, um, which has been mainly quizzes Murder mysteries and um, pictionary type activities, and they're kind of all on a Zoom usually. Um, but they've been really fun as well. I I was a bit of a technophobe before this year, and I had to really figure that out. And I I didn't realise how much fun you can have actually sitting in my office chair uh, with you know fifty faces looking at me, <laughs> ready to be entertained. <laughs> uh, oh <laughs> but actually, what's, what's that's next? been that's been great as well
1: what 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 have uh, you know what have the challenges been for yourself um since you started in the business
4: so obviously the first year uh, i was figuring out what the business was and i was tr- trying to focus on the irish um company team building market and also the incentive travel market uh, and I was kind of hoping it'd be about 70% incentive travel and 30% Irish business and that, obviously when when things went belly up we had to figure that out and um you know change the model a bit uh, so that's that was quite a big challenge the um because I was really focusing on the tourism market or incentive travel business travel um so that. That pivot was the first one. And I was also um, really focusing on getting people into... Doing orientations of new buildings and doing kind of onboarding for new staff into new buildings. So, but via a treasure hunt. So I did a huge project in the National Rehabilitation Hospital um, over a number of months with, with their staff who were moving into a brand new building, but also using brand new processes. So we did a kind of orientation challenge for those staff. And, um, but we had to figure out how to do that in a completely new way the pandemic as well so you know it wasn't the same you know huddles and you know we had to really really um think outside the box on that one but think, yeah, yeah, yeah so the challenges. is sorry it, go on
1: yeah no it's you know as you say you know with new buildings is that you get all the staff together and you give them all window leaning and, and a client says right the first one to clean the window wins <laughs> <laughs> Like, on hang on! What's going on here? You know, <laughs> and everyone, everyone wants to find a cafe. I always find when, like, with ourselves, I, I have a company which is a conscious business academy, and we do yes. play days and uh, within organisations partying, um and then we we do a lot of team building as well. And what we found was that, you know, in the very beginning, people are nervous and going, "Oh, this is," you know, they're they're yeah. you know they they're sort of stiff upper, stiff upper lips. Yes. But as the time goes on, like we've had, we've had people in their forties standing around Saturday morning, holding hands, doing the hokey pokey, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, and all breaking their heart laughing. Exactly, and, and it's sort of that stuff. It's it's bring bring back that child to people as well. So it's, yeah, it it's, is. Uh, yeah.
4: It's that fine balance I find that um, at Red's Grill we're really keen on psychological safety. So people come along to these things, and some people have had some quite negative experiences of team building, or you know, feeling silly or feeling like a child, and they don't really like being in that space um so for me it's all about creating that psychological safety no one gets to feel stupid no one gets to feel really unfit you know there's there's something for everyone everyone gets a chance to absolutely shine so if you're if your strength is is on the team is in making the um or running a them um, to do some other thing, you all get a chance to shine and not everyone has to do it all so that you feel safe, that you don't feel um, that you're going to be made an agent of. And then people can actually feel free to make an agent of themselves. Yeah. You know, I feel that that's what, that's what where the flip happens, that people are made to feel so safe that they can actually move into that child, childlike space and really enjoy it and have fun and race their colleague down the hill and, you know, you know, try and um, sneak up on them, building their shelter or whatever, and that that all kind of um, brings it all together and makes people feel much more connected.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know, I'm, I'm thinking there. How do I destroy the other person's shelter? Was what came <laughs> in when you said that to me. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think that I think when yeah. you can when you can laugh at yourself, like you know, I laugh at myself all the time and I'll I'll slag off myself all the time as well. So. I think when you do that, you kind of go, "Look, life." As we get older, we get more wiser.
4: It's what, true. What's
1: the plans for the next twelve months for yourself?
4: So, since uh, actually just on Monday, it the regulations changed so that we can have a hundred people outside. So, definitely, I'm hoping for a summer full of treasurants, and I, I already have a number of bookings already for Kilrudery and Malahide Castle um, for teams meeting up outdoors. And because people are still a little bit nervous, you know, we become institutionalised uh, as a nation and as workplaces, and um, it it took a while for us to get institutionalized and it'll take a while for us to de-institutionalize. So I think what's happened is still people aren't necessarily comfortable going back into the office and that the outdoor space is that fantastic place to meet up so that people feel safe and kind of it's leveled the playing field, the CEO and the, you know, the receptionist are all working together in this kind of equal space. And for me, that's that's a that's a new departure for people. They don't have to uh, be back on a Zoom, back in the office, uh, feeling nervous that this is kind of and all. I have all the safety standards in place and the the COVID charger um, accreditation and all of that. So people have that knowledge that it's all um, in a safe space, but that you know uh, that fun is the, actually the top priority and that enjoyment and coming together after so long apart you know and people are going to feel nervous and we we expressed that at the beginning that people need to be vulnerable and they need to allow themselves to say i feel nervous or not everyone here is vaccinated or whatever but actually we're all outdoors and the and the safety precautions are in place
1: yeah it's it's one of the things as well i You know, it's, it's about just fun and laughter and not, you know, as you say, we've been institutionalized and you have to kind of go, you know, fun. Let's, let's just relax. We've, we've had a a tough two years. Let's be honest. You know, it it was sort of in people's minds, probably October, November when what was going on in China. And, you know, I I think we need to sort of look at the future um, and fun. You know, and acknowledge that yeah. this
4: is kind of, we're actually going to be experiencing a nearly a form of PTSD, you know, like even though none of us have been to war and none of us have, you know, had, um, as my daughter says, it's the most boring apocalypse ever. You know, she was hoping for zombies and things like that, but there's actually, its it was staying indoors, it was becoming institutional, it was becoming quite insular and we just need to find that space to be able to get out there again but in a, in a way that feels comfortable for people. We need to go easy on ourselves and on others. And I think managers and leaders in organisations need to really acknowledge that and take everyone's views on board to make sure that, uh, that everyone feels at one with it. Because if you have even one or two people in the team saying, I'm not comfortable, then that's kind of anti-team building. Yeah, you know, geez. you 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 really need to have accounted for for everyone in the team, um, to make it to make people feel well about whatever their whatever activity they choose to do.
1: I do indeed. Tell me this: uh, What's the best business advice that you'd share with someone uh, who, after your experience,
4: well. It's about accessing the right supports. So obviously I access Leo, the local enterprise office, and I went on a course with Joe yourself, um, and that was fantastic. Uh, So using those kind of supports is brilliant. Um, Using the supports of your family and friends. Most people are rooting for you. You know, most people aren't competing with you and um, even your LinkedIn network, whatever it is, don't be kind of too... um, I don't know, protective over your own space. People are actually generally very kind and generous with their time and advice. Um, but the biggest thing that I did was actually set up my own board. Uh, so I'm a sole trader who I bring in contractors uh, on treasure hunt days. So people who help me out on those days. But generally, I'm on my own. And that's a lonely space. And I don't have all the answers to all the questions about finance and insurance and GDPR and, you know, um, HR and those kind of things. So there, this, this huge amount of expertise you need as a new business. So this board, it's not an official board. It's, it's actually the Red Squirrel panel of mentors. Um, but I set that up and they met around my kitchen table four times a year uh, for in exchange for wine and my amazing homemade pate, in fairness. It's definitely worth coming for, even if you just sit there and stay oh, silent. One of my favourites, um, Really? Yeah,
1: I don't drink, but I will right. eat a pate. Yeah. But
4: the pate is, yeah, it's, it's something else I have to say. But anyway, they, they came around my kitchen table. We had agendas. We had minutes. We had terms of reference. It was quite official, but it was also very relaxed. And every month um, I'd be in contact with my panel on my board and asking them questions and they were so brilliant with advice and support. And if I hadn't have had them, I would have really, I think, struggled um, in business, especially during this last year as well, you know, um, with the figuring out what, what I'm going to be doing next and how, how I'm going to pivot to the next challenge. Um, but that board was a brilliant um, uh, piece of advice actually that I got myself to set up. So
1: it's, it's ask for help. That's the most important thing. Ask I
4: mean, ask for help. And also I, I'm someone who's quite good at asking for help. So I, you know, be looking for advice. and But also to know then when you are actually the expert, because sometimes you can get all the help and all the opinions and everyone around you is giving you different pieces of advice. And actually, sometimes you are the best placed person to figure this one out because you know the business, you know where you're at. And after a certain amount of time, you, you're the one who has to make the call and live with it. Um, Oh, sorry. That's the next thing is, is not to be afraid of failure. I'm really, really brilliant at failing. (laughs) (laughs) Really good at that and picking myself up after it and learning from it.
1: I think one of the things that I always say to people, if you do want to grow your business, you know, and and especially as you said there, um, you know, we are on our own a lot of the time in our little pods, you know, reach your hand out and ask for help. And people love to help. People love to help And that's one of the things.
4: They absolutely do.
1: Anna, if someone wants to reach out to yourselves, uh, check out your website, uh, give us the web address there and people can have a view.
4: Sure. It's www.redsquirrel. That's two R's and one L in squirrel. Lots of people spell that wrong. .ie. So it's redsquirrel.ie. And you can also get me at Anna at redsquirrel.ie and on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram. Brilliant.
1: Anna, thanks for coming on to Business Eye here at Dublin South FM. And yes, folks, uh, if you want your business, uh, if you want your business showcase, if you want to come on and tell us all the wonderful things like Anna has told us about her business, please drop us a line. We'd be delighted to showcase your business. Anna, we're wishing you all the success in the world. So uh, Thanks, Joe. thank you and take care.
0: Sponsored by the Dunleary Laoghaire Local Enterprise Office. You're listening to Business Eye on Dublin South FM.
1: So Simon, businesseyeadvisory.com. Uh, this week, what I want to sort of touch on is, you know, what do people do? You know, they, when someone looks at their business, you know, what is the one thing that they are their offer is? Um, what's your thoughts on that? What's your thoughts?
2: I think, I think you, you, you really, really need to have clarity of focus. Somebody said to me a long time ago, the ideal business needs to be um, an inch wide and a mile deep. And um, I struggle with this because I juggle lots of different things. But I think for me, the key is having an identity. Forget about branding and marketing and advertising. If you have an identity that people know you for, Whatever that is, whether it's sales or growth or selling peanuts, whatever it is, right? You need to have, people need to remember you. And I, so I think you need to do whatever you need to do to build an identity and the right people will navigate or gravitate towards that identity. What, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, one thing that's just popped up and something that I say to a lot of clients as well, and I ask them this question and I'll ask to the people listening today, what problem do you solve? And that's it. You know, if you can have clarity and understand the problem that you solve, because all your clients, all your customers out there have a problem and they're looking for someone to solve it. And if you can solve that problem, if you know what that problem is and you can solve it, I think then you have a business.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. because There's plenty of problems out there and it's not about forcing what you sell on others it's about figuring out what the problem is and then slotting into that it's that way around isn't it it's not the other way around
1: yeah i think you have to to find that out i think that you need to do a bit of reverse engineering you know you, you need to go out and find out what the problem is you know and that's by asking key questions to people within in your community or within your organization and 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 that's one of the things that we do as well it's showing people those questions and what to say and what to ask so they can find out what the real problem is within their sector and then solve it and yeah
2: yeah you and you and I have been on a journey as well we've reverse engineered and, and don't be as scared of examining your own business you know I've moved away from deal-making and come back to more mindset growth and the tools that you need to grow. And you've, you've you've pivoted as well. There's no harm in doing that. Nobody's saying you can't do that. But you need to honestly reflect and listen to what the, the problems are and then reverse engineer back and adapt. You have to be careful, though. You can't keep doing that because people are going to think you're yeah, all over the place. But don't be afraid of examining what you do.
1: One of the things I've learned through the years as well in sales, a lot of people, when when they are, they find out their problem and the problem is, and they're trying to sell it, they they offer then, we know, a benefit. You know, this is the fact or the feature, and this is the benefit. But what people really need to get is, is what is the real benefit when they're selling it to someone. Because the real benefit then is the emotional attachment that the yeah. customer or the client have to the problem that you can solve as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's it's profound stuff. The other thing, just just to close for me, is that I interviewed somebody recently, and she said, "Wisdom for a business owner is in the gap between." And so, you know, there's lots of people are thinking along the tram lines, but if you can be the one who thinks about what is missing in that gap between, you've got some magic. You just got to figure out what is in that gap.
1: <laughs> Become a better decision maker. That's it. Yeah. And look, if if people are interested in becoming better decision makers within their business and becoming very fast at making those right decisions, uh, I think they should. Well, I don't think they should. I know they should uh, yeah. get in touch with ourselves at com, and there where we have a monthly mastermind and then a weekly, we'll have a weekly private discussion as well within a group where people can share their information and gather wisdom with their peers. So exactly. anything to add into that, Simon? You
2: no, know, I agree. I mean, we, we, we've got the, the capacity and the capability. We've seen it all. Um, and it, it is about staying calm and being focused and, and having an awareness. But you can't do this alone. You need good mentors and supporters. So we're here. We're here, Joe. We are indeed. We're indeed.